And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. Hosted by Andrew Schlecht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. We click. With questions and participants from all around the world. Anthony Edwards! Put that on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slam and Jam. Back is I missed this shot, I'll walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get The Athletic for $3.99 a month. This week's a little bit different. My co-host, Alex Spears, is not with me today. Prayers up for Al. He had surgery on his wrist earlier this week and is unable to join, but he should be back next week. But do not fear. I do have a guest with me. It's my good friend and co-worker Fred Katz is going to join me here in just a second. But first, let's take a look at what happened in the NBA this week. Over the weekend, the Wizards did something they hadn't done since MJ wore a Wizards uniform. And that is when eight games in a row. It's been 20 years. The Wizards have won nine out of the last 10, including a nice controlled victory against the Lakers on Wednesday. Also from this weekend, Steph Curry set the record for the most threes made in a month at 85. He closed out the week with 96 three-pointers made and closed out the month. That's the new record. Somebody else go beat it. Monday night, the Timberwolves beat the Jazz for the third time this season after Rudy Gobert left D'Angelo Russell open for an easy layup to put the Wolves up late. The Wolves are currently second in the reverse standings and look to move lower as they have now won four in a row? Why now, T-Wolves? What are you doing? But also, another what are you doing moment, Kevin Love on Monday night had a little outburst late in the third quarter by batting the ball to the Raptors after the official threw him the ball to inbound. That wasn't me, Love said. I apologize for that moment. It was an ugly one. It was one that was not ill-intentioned. Okay, Kevin. Tuesday night, the Thunder snap a 14-game losing streak and miss what would have been a franchise record 15 losses in a row. Lou Dort said that he knew about the record and guaranteed a win for the Thunder, as he told Shea Gildas-Alexander earlier that day. Wednesday night, the Suns clinched a playoff spot by defeating the shorthanded Clippers. Chris Paul said this after the game, sometimes casual fans don't get a chance to appreciate somebody's greatness and Devin is a guy who's been doing it on a daily basis I'm just happy the world is finally getting to see him Ooh, huge diss at all the casual fans out there another huge diss here after the game Paul George gave a next question to a reporter who asked how hard it is to contain Chris Paul I love the chippiness between these two teams we definitely deserve a Clippers Suns playoff matchup and the Kings lost by 49 We're a little over two weeks away 
from the start of the playing tournament. I can't believe it, and I can't wait. All right, with me this week, it's not Alex. It's my good friend, Fred Katz. Fred, what's up? Same thing as always is up. I I am sitting around. I was watching basketball in my home. I'm uh, I'm wearing my pajamas. It's the same thing as it's been for the last 14 months. <laughs> I know. I only wear pants with an elastic band uh, right I, right now. When <laughs> I've when I've worn pants with a button, like it's like an occasion. I know. It's a celebration. <laughs> and that's just pants with a button. I'm not talking tuxedo pants. I'm not talking slacks. I'm just talking the most casual pants with a button you can imagine. <laughs> Life is wonderful. It's it's totally great. Uh, Fred, tell me, what was the most interesting thing to you this week in the NBA? All right. So I received my email this week, as did, I guess, 99 other NBA reporters some writers, some TV people, some radio, I guess, saying, do you want to vote for awards this year? The NBA sends this email out every year. They ask who wants to vote. Most people say yes. Some people say no. And then a week or so later, when you, after you say yes, the ballots come out and they say, here's the due date. You're voting on all the awards. So my most interesting thing is I, I, I've really been thinking about the awards since getting that email. My most interesting thing is who the hell am I going to vote for all NBA guard? It is so difficult. And not just because there are so many guards having tremendous years this year, but because so many of the absolute best ones who you'd think would be shoo-ins and should be shoo-ins. And you kind of say off the top of your head, James Harden, obviously James Harden is all NBA. He's James Harden and he's averaging 25 and 11 on the team with the best record in the East. Of course he's a shoo-in. James Harden's played 42 games. If, if James Harden doesn't play, or you can't put a guy who's played 42 games on All-NBA, even with this year being mm-hmm. so strange. And, and I think a lot of people will give, uh, you know, kind of extra slack to guys who miss a lot of games. There are so many difficult All-NBA decisions at guard. And I, I think you're going to see a gazillion guys, like way more than usual, receive votes at guard. And a ton of them are going to be justifiable. Yeah. I guess we have to first decide who's a lock. Like, who are your locks? Like, Steph Curry has to be a lock, lock. right? Luka Doncic is a lock. Is Luka can can we slide Luka to forward? Is that possible? Yeah. What's the well? So, but before we get to locks, what what what's better? It's your podcast. So so what's better? Should I should we read off everybody who you could possibly throw into the conversation for any of the six spots, or should we go through the locks first? Let's go through the locks. Okay, and then and then we'll and then we'll debate who should be there. Okay, you could put Luca at forward, but for the sake of the conversation, because I've got some guys who are going to have dual eligibility written down. Mm-hmm. But for the sake of the conversation, Luca's a lock. Whether you put him at guard, whether you put him at at forward, um, yep. you, maybe you do slide Luca over to forward because forward's not as forward's tough, but it's it's not as deep and. The thing is, you might end up having to put Luca on the second team if you put him at forward, because yeah. you could have Kawhi and Giannis over there at forward on your first team. And I don't know. I mean, you could argue putting Luca ahead of either of those guys, but I mean, I think I would probably have Kawhi and Giannis ahead of him if we're going with forward. So to get him on the mm-hmm. first team, you might put him. It kind of depends on if you care about getting your six as good as possible or getting your first team as good as possible. Um, right. Luca's a lock either way. 
Dame has struggled mm-hmm. the last three, four weeks. I still think he's a lock to get on. Got to lock him in. Yep. So that's three guys. Is Kyrie a lock? Yes. Don't you think? He's played 46 games and he's still hurt. He's been unbelievable. He's been arguably the best net on a team of outrageously great players. He's been incredible. It just comes back to, again, just the, the games played and the minutes. And and some of it is is not his fault at all. Some of it is mm-hmm. his fault because he went to a maskless party and all of that. Um, right. The numbers are absolutely incredible. He's 27 a game. 56% on twos, which is absurd for a point guard. 56% on twos. He's 39% on threes. Uh, he's 92% at the line. He has been the the turning point in the Nets season. I shouldn't even say turning point, but the thing that to me validates, oh, I don't think the Nets are going to have any problems, is that he is so willingly let Harden do Harden things and has been unbelievably successful while still mm-hmm. doing that. He's been incredible with Brooklyn. And that's why I wonder if he's a lock or not, because he might, he's been great enough that I think he could overcome that. But 46 games, man, I know it's a shortened season. But even if you say there were 10 extra games that were playing 82 inside of 72, and Kyrie plays all of them, if he doesn't play again or he ends up with like 50 games played, you know, if you have 60 games played in a normal season or you want to prorate it, like 58 games played in a normal season, 57, like that could missing 25 is is really enough to knock you off almost no matter how good your numbers are. Very few guys mm-hmm. have made it while playing in the 55 game range. Very few. It's really tough. Yeah, I think becoming the guy that made the Nets work is enough for me. Because of all the guys to choose, okay, this player is going to make the Nets run. They're gonna, he's going to make the decision that makes this Nets team work. I would have never picked him. <laughs> there was just no way I would have ever picked Kyrie Irving to be the guy, and he's become that guy. I don't know, man. He's 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 been a huge part of this. And I, if the Nets win the title, I mean, I would not be surprised to see Kyrie Irving Finals MVP. Um, He's been that good. He's been incredible. I the game's played makes it tough for me to make him a lock. Okay. I've got we don't have to lock him in. I've got but I, I would I would argue for him to be on the team well, at least. I'm okay with doing separate locks. We can have okay. different locks. I'm locking him. I'm locking him. I'm there. <laughs> Perfect. I'm not locking. I'm going three locks. Okay. Steph, Luca, Dame. Uh can I can I list off the rest of these guys? Wait, 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 wait. I already I already locked in Chris Paul. And I put put Luca out of here. You're not locking Chris Paul. I'm not locking Chris Paul. Whoa, whoa, why? Because I'm going to read the rest of these guards off to you, and it's wild. Okay, okay. All right. There's James Harden, who yeah. could come back and could play, and he's James Harden, who has played like James Harden this year. And there was mm-hmm. a point where at least one person, James Harden himself, was putting himself in the in the MVP conversation. Sure. Uh, there's Bradley Beal, who's leading the league in scoring. Yep. There is Devin Booker, who's having a tremendous season. I agree with you. If mm-hmm. I'm putting in a son, I'm putting Chris Paul ahead of him. There's Chris mm-hmm. Paul as well. There are a lot of voters. I'm not necessarily this guy, but there are a lot of voters who look at 
all right, this team had the best record in the league. They deserve two. This team had the best record in the league. They deserve one or second best. They deserve sure. one and so on and so forth. Rudy mm-hmm. Gobert is making it, but especially based on the record and also the fact that he's just had an incredible season. You could throw Donovan Mitchell on there and it's fine. Yes. Uh, yes. I would not put Trey Young on there. No, but he's no, I would not put Trey Young in there, but I bet you somebody votes for Trey Young. I hope not. I hope not. He's had he's had a step. He's taken a step back this season. There's just too many other guys that are that deserve it over him. And then there are all He'll the have guys who have who have potentially dual eligibility. So last year, for mm-hmm. example, LeBron was eligible at guard. I put LeBron <laughs> at guard last year on my ballot. He was eligible at guard. If you go on basketball reference, it says he played about half of his minutes at point guard. And I know yep. the league felt like, even though it seemed weird to put LeBron eligible at guard, the league felt like, well, the the positional data has him listed as a point guard. We we kind of have to make him eligible as both. So LeBron mm-hmm. was eligible at guard last year. Obviously, I mentioned Luca was eligible at guard. Kawhi Leonard was eligible at guard last year. Jimmy Butler was eligible at guard last year. Ben Simmons was eligible at guard last year. Chris Middleton was eligible at guard last year. We don't know the positional eligibilities yet, but I assume Mm -hmm. all those guys will have dual eligibility this year as well. That is 15 players. You get six. (laughs) How do you not put the league's leading scorer? I I put Beal on for sure. I mean, Beal... It's not like Beal is throwing up an inefficient 31 a game. He has a 54% effective field goal percentage right now. Yep. He has been excellent. And he's been wildly Mm -hmm. consistent all year. He's just good for 27 to 34 every single night. It's just what he gives you. Um, He is... Really, he's like, he's also, you know, I talked about Kyrie's two-point shooting. He's he's 54, 55 on twos. It's a tremendous number for a 6'3 <laughs> That's guard. That's crazy for a guard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's he's for a guy who people think of as a, as a shooter. He's just not that. Like, he's just a, mm-hmm. just a killer slasher. Um, it's tough. It's tough. So who are, who are your six? You have to throw them on. I'm forcing you to do it. Oh. <sighs> Boy. So you say Curry, uh, you say Doncic, you say Lillard, you say Kyrie. I guess you said Chris Paul and you said Beal. So are those your guys? Chris Paul, Beal. I've got one more slot. Um, shoot, man. Wait, do you have uh, one more? Sl- oh, because you're going to put Luca at forward. Yeah, I'm not. No, nah, he's he's too big. He's too big. Sorry, Luca. You're a forward. You're with LeBron. You're both forwards. Oh. You know, it was a it was a real blessing that the uh, the Bulls started to really stink because then you'd have to talk about Zach Levine too. True, but now we don't because <laughs> they're too bad. Not a blessing for Zach Levine. Not a blessing for Levine. A blessing for us in this podcast us. and nothing else. <laughs> it is. I know, and also like injury stuff. I mean, if you CJ McCollum, if he didn't miss, and if the Blazers weren't so terrible, but if if he didn't miss, like he was on his way to being in the conversation. Jalen Brown, too, the way that he started the season. Yeah, Jalen Brown's a guy I left off, but he's I I couldn't yeah. justify putting him on over someone like Paul or Beal 
Right. He's you have to he's you have to think about him. He's gonna make it at some point in his career, I feel like. He should. He's having a great year. Mm-hmm. And he's become uh, a very Jamal, good defender. Jamal Murray, too. Like Jamal Murray probably wouldn't have made it even if he was healthy, but you'd have to think about him for a little bit. Russell Westbrook, even. Like Westbrook has been that good. And he will he will get votes. Yes. Don't you think? He always gets votes. Yeah. He's gonna get votes for all defense, too. He always gets votes for all defense. <laughs> always. Right. He's gotten votes for all defense. I bet you he's gotten votes for all defense ten years in a row. I bet she's gotten Ugh. at least one 10 years in a row. He should just be voted loudest player, not vocally, <laughs> but just the way he plays loudest player in uh, the league. Jamal Murray wasn't going to be Jamal Murray was like each year when I vote on this stuff, I, I put together spreadsheets and I, even if I'm like, I know there's no way I'm voting for this guy. I just put him in mm-hmm. the spreadsheet, even though nobody yep. sees the spreadsheet, nobody knows who I put in the spreadsheet other than the random 900 people who I call and ask for their opinions on all NBA. Like no one public sees it. Nobody knows, but I still put people in the spreadsheet. I don't know why. I guess I'm mm-hmm. just, I want people, I'm so afraid of people disliking me so much that I'm like, these people who never see it are going to be like, oh God, like Jamal Murray would have been in my spreadsheet, but it would have been one of those guys like, why am I wasting my time typing in Jamal Murray's VORP? What am I doing here? This is such a waste of time. I could be binge watching some show. What am I doing? Yeah. But he would have made it in the spreadsheet, especially with the way he played his last like two months before he got hurt. He was great. No doubt. No doubt. And if the Nuggets are like the one seed or something, you kind of feel obligated to throw another person. And that's and and that's, gosh, this is so I'm between Booker and Mitchell right now, is where my head's at. And I think I lean Booker. Uh, with the season that he's had, with the leap I feel like he's made on the defensive end, I, I think he's been so great. And by the time that people are listening to this, the Suns may have overtaken the the Jazz in the standings um, because the Jazz are are playing without Mitchell. They're playing without Mike Conley. And if the Suns are the one seed heading into the playoffs, which seems like that could be the case, they're one of they're one of the teams at the top that is just continues to push. And if they're the one seed. I think they I think I would be one of those people that would say the Suns deserve more than one player on the all NBA team. And so I I'll say that my six are Steph, Chris Paul, Lillard, Kyrie, Beal, and Booker. See, I think it's kind of hard to justify Kyrie and not harden. There's there's not a huge yeah. total minutes between those two. So I'm kind of caught between mm-hmm. that logic. And that's why mm-hmm. I wonder if I, that's kind of why I wonder if Chris Paul is a lock, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. voted Chris Paul second team last year. <laughs> he's, he's, been he's been just, just as, as good, good or maybe better. Yeah. He's been just as good. He, mm-hmm. Phoenix is one of the best. They're one of the most balanced, good teams in the league. You know, yes. they, they, they play, they defend the hell out of the ball and they have a great offense. And Chris Paul spearheads both of those sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. And there are very few guys in the league. If you go through and you say, who is the captain of the defense and the captain of the offense and the team is really good. And that's a thing in very few other places. 
Yep. Uh, you know, it's not even. I can't, I don't even think you could necessarily say it's true for LeBron in L.A. because Anthony Davis is their top yep. defensive player, and that doesn't automatically make him Chris Paul, an All NBA player, but it it does mean he's just tremendously important, and his job is ridiculously hard, and it's mm-hmm. more than just he's smart and he's savvy. Um, yeah. But that being said, you know, what if Harden and Kyrie end up playing the same amount? Fred, I don't I don't know if I count the uh, few hundred minutes that James Harden played in Houston as a part of his campaign for this. Ooh. Can I just can we just remove that from the equation altogether? He played almost 300 minutes with Houston. There's not one person in the entire world that would have said, hey, that guy on that team at this time deserves to be on the all NBA team. No way. That's that's fair. That was part of this season. And yeah, I get it. I got into a I don't want to say a, a debate. It wasn't really a debate, but I got into a, a hearty conversation with our colleague and and a, a good friend of both of ours, Dave Dufour, about uh-huh. James Harden. And I forget if it was in reference I I black out when I get into basketball arguments. So I forget if it was in reference to MVP or all NBA, but DeFore was saying like whatever Harden's numbers were in, in Houston, you know, they were still, they were still ridiculous numbers. He comes back and he has 45 points and 17 assists, right. Uh, in his first game back. And there were still ridiculous numbers he was putting up. And DeFore says, sure. He's going out there. He's still winning them games. I was like, Dave, it's just one of those you gotta be there kind of things. And yeah. you were there. <laughs> so you know. So I'm 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 with you. All the Houston stuff that has to come I mean, into If we play. made Jimmy Butler pay for what he did to the Timberwolves, mm-hmm. right? It was almost like, hey, we're gonna make you you can do this. Cool. You're gonna pay for it in all star voting or whatever it is. Yep. It's like James Harden, like, oh, he's, look, he's got the magic back. He's sharing the ball. Look, at, he's playing off ball. Like the moon, the minute he moved off ball, everybody's like, oh, all is forgiven. You know, it's like, come on, man. To, to like, me, it's know. it's less about paying a penalty and more just about if we're voting on what the aggregate value that a guy provided was throughout the year. Well, Harden had about three weeks where things weren't going so great. Uh, so, so that's kind of more what it is to me. And I, I think it's kind of the other side of the Chris Paul coin. So there, there are all mm-hmm. these people who are throwing Chris Paul in the MVP conversation. Now I'm like, that's wild. it's a, a, to me, it's to me. Yeah. To me, that's a little, a little forced. That's uh, crazy forced. But the logic behind yeah. that is what a leader Chris Paul comes in and he transforms your locker room and he transforms your culture. And he transforms the way the team operates in every facet of the game on and off the court, right? And I'm not saying any of that is wrong. I think it's pretty clear that all of that is true. But what I'm saying is, if we're going to credit a guy for that, well, the Harden-Houston stuff is kind of the other side of that same coin, right? So yes. So yes. You, know, you have to recognize when the opposite is happening as well. And sometimes it's really hard to tell when the opposite is happening. And when the opposite is happening as an awards voter, I always try to give the player the benefit of the doubt because I think it's mm-hmm. a lot worse if that is happening and or I should say I think it's a lot worse if that's happening and a guy still makes NBA 
And if it's not happening, but I think it's happening, <laughs> and then I hold it to a guy's detriment. And yeah. I'd much rather just sense. vote for a guy who was a problem on a team than not. Uh, but with mm-hmm. Harden, I don't know. Everybody said it. He put it on Instagram. <laughs> Come on. like, And it's funny because he's he's not one of the guys that puts everything on Instagram. <laughs> he put it on there so that everybody would see it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Wall was open talking about it. Cousins was open talking about it. Like, yes. Yeah. We, yeah, we know. So okay. Silas looked like I, a I broken feel, I spirit. feel like right now, hold on, Fred. Right now, I feel like you're delaying your pick. Mm. Are you going to give us your pick? Okay, I have the right to change my mind as soon as three minutes from now. This is okay. not who I'm voting for. <laughs> this is just kind of <laughs> what I got. I might slide Luca to forward. Okay. And this is kind of what I have as of today. I'm not anticipating what's going to happen the rest of the year. Uh. But as of now, I've got Curry and Doncic as my first team. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll put Lillard and I'll put Lillard and you know what's amazing? I put all these together. I looked at the numbers. I prepared the stats, and I forgot to make the actual team. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm literally doing this off the top of my head. Uh, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Curry Doncic on my first team. I'm gonna say Lillard. And Beal is my second team. I I would have Kyrie's second team if if he actually put up more, like he actually started to play more games. And and third team, I'll go Chris Paul and Kyrie. I like that. That's what I got. Okay, I think I think we did it. I think that we did. We did it. No one has to vote now. It's good. (laughs) Just 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 listen. Did we have the same teams after all that? I think so. Well, you had you had Luca, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. So I had Steph, Chris Paul, Lillard, Kyrie, Beal, and Booker. Right. But it's not like you didn't yeah. have Luca. You just have Luca at forward. He's there. Yeah, he makes the team. I was going to give my most interesting thing, which was the Utah Jazz and how everybody's sleeping on the Jazz. I had uh some some big George Niang stats for everybody, which I just think that guy is very interesting. I'll just give you one. He's shooting 43% on above the break threes. Like wow. He's been super good for them, but we don't have time for that. Wait, can you, can, we you do give, have, can you just give one more George Niang stat? <laughs> so, okay. Yes, I'll give one there more. And then we have to get to our guest, Jason Jones. So the third best five-man lineup in the league is a jazz lineup. The, the best lineup in the league is the Clippers. So big shouts to the Clippers. Sorry if, if I insulted you guys too much. You guys are great. I actually believe in you quite a bit this season. Uh, second is a Portland lineup that is just outrageous on offense and kind of meh on defense. But the third best lineup, they're a plus 15 net rating. Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert, Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles, and George Niang is a part of this lineup. Uh, one of the best lineups in the league. It doesn't include Mitchell, but it just shows the versatility that they have in these guys. And and him being a lights-out shooter has has been a huge part of the success of the Jazz. Uh, if you can just throw lights-out shooters, I mean, Joe Ingles, who's been ridiculous this year. But just having just that one more guy, like it's no wonder Jordan Clarkson has been able to do whatever he wants on the court because you can't leave anybody. And I'll tell you what, that lineup is a great piece of evidence for why the Jazz have 
possibly two guys who are going to be on my sixth man of the year ballot. Yeah. And they should. Yeah. I mean, without a doubt, you know, Joe Ingles is pacing. At least he was as of like two days ago, because I've been following this for weeks. He is pacing to break the record for highest true shooting percentage by a perimeter player ever. Not in the modern era. (laughs) Not in the last 10 years. Not in the last 20 years. Not since 1950. The highest true shooting percentage ever for a perimeter player ever. The only players with a higher true shooting percentage in a single season are like Mitchell Robinson. It's like guys who only dunk. It's like Mitchell Robinson, Tyson Chandler, and maybe Wilt. And I think that's it. It's ridiculous. Well, and you know what front, you know what franchise cut that player? The Clippers. (laughs) It was the Clippers. Sorry, Clippers. All right. We are going to take a quick break. After that break, we are going to talk about a team that is, Not as great as the Utah Jazz. We're going to talk to Jason Jones and talk Sacramento Kings. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And we're back from that quick break, and it's time for the Wheel of Fandom. Each week, we have a new team that is selected by the Wheel. And I'll tell you, the Wheel definitely selected the team this week because it's the Sacramento Kings, because nobody in their right mind would be doing a podcast about the Sacramento Kings right now. But we do here on Saturday Slam and Jam. The Kings right now are 11th in offense, 30th in defense, 25th in net rating. They went one and two this week, including a 49-point loss to the depleted Jazz. And because we have the Sacramento Kings, we get to welcome my guy Jason Jones onto the podcast. Jason, what's up? Not much. I'm doing better than the Kings were the other night. I mean, (laughs) I've... I mean, I and just for me, what made it crazy was to me. That's not even their worst loss of the season to me. Well, what was the what's the worst loss? I mean, loss? it was in terms of to me, it was the Detroit game where oh. they've got a chance to maybe get some momentum going again and maybe still hang around to get to tenth. And they let the Detroit Pistons walk in there without Jeremy Grant and, and led by former King Corey Joseph, beat them up for four quarters. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was it was comical. Like Corey Joseph is laughing at them because the Sacramento fans couldn't stand him, and they were all like, "We're going to be so much better because we got Delon right and got rid of Corey Joseph." And Corey had like twenty four and ten. <laughs> so to me, that was by far the worst game I've seen. I was like, "You're going to let him just beat you up," and they just let it happen. Oh no! Uh, so so with that, how, how do you describe this season? Like if there's like one word or one phrase that you'd use to describe this Sacramento Kings season, what would it be? Weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a team that's uh, they've had two stretches where they've won seven of eight. 
They also have two nine-game losing streaks and a stretch, stretch where they won. They lost nine of 11, but they started the year three and one. Yeah. So just weird. I mean, you could, I mean they always talk about being con, you know, consistent, inconsistent. I just say weird because I've never – I mean, you know, teams that are bad are going to be up and down. Mm-hmm. But there's moments where they you're thinking, oh, maybe they can get into the at least top ten, top nine. Then you go, this is one of the worst teams in the league, mm-hmm. and that happens within a week of each other. Just all year it's been that way. Start off three and one, you're a surprise. Next thing you know, you're five and ten. <laughs> you know, it's just up and down, up and down. They they finally got to five hundred and then lost nine in a row. So yeah, I mean it's <laughs> it's very very uh, quite the roller coaster. Jason, what do you make? Is there any way for them to fix the defense? Like they are so they're not just 30th in defense. Like they are extremely 30th. They've turned they've turned 30th into into its full descriptor. They give 154 points the other night. Yeah, to I mean, I forgot one guy on the Jazz. He played 12 minutes and got 13 points. <laughs> I mean, it was just I don't, I mean, from what, what they tell you and you talk to people around the team, they've, uh, they tried to, you know, get a, a scheme that would help. Something, something didn't click. And then from what they've said, they basically stripped down their scheme so much defensively to, could you guys just try to guard your man and play hard? And that's still a struggle. I mean, some, some of the, they do have limitations with the roster. They're not a very big team. And when they play Philadelphia, Luke Wallace after the game, their their point guard is bigger than my center, which is true. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, so I mean they're not a very big team. They don't have physical guys. I mean, they asked they were asking Harrison Barnes all year to guard essentially one through five or one through four. You know, it's just they have roster limitations. You know, some would say they have scheme limitations, you know, depending on who you ask. But they, you know, it's kind of hard to assess a scheme when guys, you know just get beat off the dribble repeatedly and they just have a collection of guys who don't stay in front of people you know a lot of people get mad at buddy healed about it but he's not the only one i mean i think buddy's trying he's just not very good at defense they got some a guy like De'Aaron should be better but he tends to pick his spots but when you have the worst defense in the league you really can't pick your spots no one can afford to pick their spots i mean some of the guys on the team believe rashawn holmes should get some run for like uh, all defensive team on some level for what he does for them. But I'm like, it's going to be hard for anyone to justify voting for a player on the worst defense possibly in NBA history to be all anything defense. Just, just how do you justify that? <laughs> like, you're like yeah. you know, it could be even worse without him. You know, and that's no <laughs> knock on Rashawn. Rashawn's yeah. doing all he can, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, that, that Utah game was amazing. Cause I was just like, okay. Yeah, I know the Kings were down, Harrison and De'Aaron. But you say, you know what? To be down 54 in a game, you were only down three at the end of the first quarter. Right. They gave up, I think, 86 points in two quarters. <laughs> and it was an easy 86 for Utah. It wasn't like they had to work. I mean, Is there a difficult 86 they, it, in two quarters? No. Yeah, it, yeah, it wasn't, you know. This, this, this a wasn't hard back fought in the, for 86 in two quarters. Yeah, this wasn't like back in the 90s where Van, Jeff Van Gundy would have been happy to get to 86 in four quarters. I mean, this was like, you know, you think of, I mean, they scored 124 points in three quarters. <laughs> that is outrageous. Yeah, I've uh, seen I've seen them do this before. They did it in Toronto. I mean, I think this is the second time this year they've given up a franchise record for the opponent. <laughs> 
in and both times it was in regulation. Toronto Yeesh. set their record with 144 in regulation, and that was a game where they scored like a hundred some points in three. I mean, I've never seen anything like this. You know, you almost feel bad. I don't know who to feel bad for. Yeah. Well, let's let's spin it forward a little bit. Okay. Um. So, De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton are probably the only two core members of this team. Am I wrong? Is there somebody else? Are they going to try to keep Rashawn Holmes? Like, what's if you were to say in two seasons these guys will most likely be a king? Who would you say is on that list? In two seasons, see that gets tricky for me with Harrison because by then he'll be like I think at the end of his deal. Then maybe right. you do move him, but I would I would just based on what the organization and the coaches feel, I would include Harrison in there. Rashawn okay. is tricky because. How much do you pay? You know, you know, big men are devalued anyway. And mm-hmm. for as important as he is, you, you break down the number. He's averaging about 14 and nine. Maybe next year, maybe if the price is, is, is too high, you let Rashawn walk and you keep like, you keep Damian Jones and someone else and get, you know, 15 and 10 between two guys. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, the players and the coaching staff would love to say that Rashawn is a part of the core. Rashawn would love that. I mean, this is his first chance he's ever had to be a starter. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's always that tricky thing with bad teams. He may be your best player or one of your best players, but what are you doing when, you know, with uh, a good someone who's a good player on a bad team? You know, how do you truly value that? Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to make a decision on him in the summer. You know, but really the two guys I, I always say is we know the GM likes De'Aaron because De'Aaron got the extension and he drafted Tyrese. Outside yep. of that, to me, this whole thing could be anywhere. We don't know where Marvin Bagley will be in a few months. Things This thing could, you know, change a whole lot, you know, in a few months. I just want to know where Marvin Bagley's dad is going to be. I don't know if the Kings, you know, if he gets hurt again, the Kings might let him go hang out with his dad again, you know. Right. <laughs> Another weird, bizarre Kings thing. You let an injured player go home to his family. Yeah, ex- explain that a little bit because I don't I don't know how many people that, that has gotten to. No one can really explain it. It's just that after Marvin broke his hand in Charlotte, you started noticing that Marvin wasn't on the sideline. I, you know, it's not uncommon that an injured player, you know, especially with the protocols and the mask, might stay in the back and watch the game by himself. That didn't seem crazy. Then it's like, okay, we really never see Marvin on the bench ever. Then you find out, oh, yeah, the team let him go home. I'm like, home, like, home? Like, yeah, home to Phoenix. <laughs> and they're like, we're keeping in touch with him down there. I was like, well, shouldn't he be here? You know, with his teammates, maybe, maybe with your doctors and trainers. You know, it was just a very weird thing. And then when it's not like he just decided on his own to come back. When the team played in Phoenix, they're like, we're going to go play the Suns. And then Marvin will basically meet us, you know, join up with us there and we'll bring him back home. <laughs> and it was like, uh, okay, I guess. And no one's really explained it. You know, I think Luke Walton defers to the GM. The GM doesn't yeah. talk to us. And we haven't talked to Marvin in no maybe since early March. So no one's really explained what's going on. One theory that was passed along to me was that the team is pretty much done with him anyway, so they didn't care. But I was like, that doesn't make the team look good. No. You know, it's, it's more enabling, which is one of the things the Kings have been guilty of for years is you're a bad team enabling players to do what they want. And it's like, what? there's no one on this team who's earned the right to do whatever they want. You know, there is no... Le- 
there is no LeBron, KD, Russ figure in this team who should be able to dictate anything. And even mm -hmm. then, you got to be careful with players dictating things. But it's like, it's just a weird, like I said, it's just weird. You know, I've never seen a, a you know, a player. I mean, Marvin's been hurt a lot, but never has he just left. But the yeah. thing is, before his brother was in high school playing in the Sacramento area, his brother was back with, in, at Arizona State. That's where the family's from. So that's where Marvin was rehabbing for a while. And then he's he's been cleared, but he's not playing yet. He's been cleared to do basketball activity. So you would assume at some point they get him back on the court by the end of the year, but you never know with this team. You really never it know. It doesn't help trade value if you're going to signal that you don't really – that you're just done with a guy before you actually try to trade him too. When he was the number two pick only a few years ago. Uh, I got one for you. Right. And the trade value wasn't there anyway before this. So I mean, I don't know what they're going to, they're not exactly driving up the price with this. Yeah. So I, I have a question for you. So De'Aaron Fox's okay. max extension kicks in next year. He's, he's actually been a bright spot this year. He's been, he's been really good this year. I really like Fox. I think he's going to be a really good player. Do you think he's a top 10 point guard? Because you look at him play and and you see him average, you see a young point guard who's one of the fastest guys in the league. He controls face pace. He's explosive. He's averaging twenty five a game, and you watch him play and you're like, this guy's awesome. But point guards are just so plentiful now, and there are so many good ones. You you look at the max extension, and it's it's intuitive. The Kings have to give him a max extension, um, right? But do you think he's do you think he's top ten now? And do you think he'll be top 10 over the course of that contract? See, that's a, I got to think about who's in the top 10. Cause I'm just looking, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, Steph, Dane, Kyrie, Chris, Paul. If you, if you throw Luca as a point guard, that's five right there. <laughs> and then if you throw mm -hmm. Russ, that's six. Do you consider James Harden a point guard? Not if Kyrie is one. Okay. All right. Well, take Kyrie out, make James a point guard. You know, I'm just trying to think. Uh, I think I would still put him over young guys like LaMelo or, you know, maybe I'd probably still put him ahead of a John Morant. So maybe he's at 10. How about maybe he's there are a couple other guys. How about Mike Conley? Mm -hmm. Who would you take? Right I, now? I'd take Mike Conley right now ahead of him just because the defense and you know, the, the, you know, being a vet. See, now you got me thinking. So, you know, you know, Mike would be ahead of him right now. How about Trey Young? I'm just trying to. To me, they're similar. I think Trey's a better score, probably a better, you know, outside shooter. But, you know, you might put you know, he's probably more explosive scoring, and he gets more assist. You know, so you, maybe you put Trey ahead of him. I mean, to me, just off the top of my head, De'Aaron's in that. He's not in that top level. He's in that middle. You know, that second. That you know, maybe borderline ten. I was talking to somebody the other day. Right now, this stage of his career, in a lot of ways, he reminds me of Monte Ellis, and not in the not in the style of play, in the sense that you look at his numbers and you go, "Wow, he's putting up these great numbers." Then you watch the team and you go, "A lot of these games, you know, he's you know, it's not all his fault, but the numbers don't don't aren't equating to wins. It's not all it's not all on him, but." It's hard to put someone, you know, you got to be, you know, especially in this day and age where point guards are so good. It's, you know, like I said, he's not ahead of Drew Holiday. You know, <laughs> mm -hmm. so, you know, there, there's so many good point guards, even with his numbers. That doesn't mean he's, you know, a top 10 guy. I mean, I think we just ran through at least 10, 12 guys who you might take ahead of him. And then some of it's situational. I mean, 
Do I think Dennis Schroeder is a better player? No, but when you watch Dennis Schroeder play against him, Dennis Schroeder has shown he can impact the game more at times. So, you know, De'Aaron's only 23. I think by the end of this contract, he'll, he, you know, he'll be in that conversation. And the one, unless, you know, say Tyrese passes him, you know, <laughs> and there's yeah. a lot of people who believe that, you know, in two or three years, it'll basically be Tyrese running the team and De'Aaron will be the two. Yeah. Hall- so, Halliburton's you know, great. A lot of people believe that's going to be the eventual, the eventual. Better. Halliburton's great. Yeah. He's just, he's a great, he's so poised for a rookie and he can shoot the hell out of the ball already. He's just, mm-hmm. he's a great decision maker, man. He is really good. Yeah. They, like I got to tell people, they didn't draft him. They created him. There's no way <laughs> he only went to college <laughs> for two years. I mean, you listen to him talk and watch him play. His dad was a big Magic Johnson fan. And you see so much of magic, the way he talks, the way he plays. I mean, you will never hear Tyrese Halliburton say that the team is, is going to be his. He's always deferring to De'Aaron and Harrison Barnes. He's always like, you know, those guys. Though He will ne- He's. I mean, he's he's probably his hardest critic. I mean, you really, you couldn't ask for a better rookie. Unbelievable. Yeah, that's there's there's not been a lot of luck to come the king's way, but that uh is certainly mm-hmm. one of those. Uh let's talk about Buddy Heald and Marvin Bagley. What odds that give me the odds for both of these guys that they'll be traded this summer. Um I'd put the odds with Marvin at fifty fifty. I think it'd go either okay. way, depending on the availability. And with Buddy, I'd put it a little lower just because of his contract, and it depends mm-hmm. on how you value him. People I talk to. A lot of people in the league believe he's really a six man. Mm-hmm. That's his best role on a good team. But with his contract, you're paying him like a starter. And who's going to value, you know, his, his, the one thing about his deal, it does do, you know, decline in value over the life of it. But still, you're looking at 20 something million dollars next year for him. And talk about making a deal. I mean, he, how do you make that work? And the thing is, even for, you know, for his liabilities, so defensively, you know, he's not a good ball handler. The game was a last week against the Warriors where he gets the, he makes the play, gets the steal, and just fumbles the ball out of bounds when he could have gave him the lead in the closing seconds. You kind of, you know, with Buddy, you're, you're going to get nights where he's a great shooter, but you're going to get nights, you know, pretty much every game, he's going to make two or three decisions to make you go, what was that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but he can shoot. And shooting's at a premium. And when he's hot, not many guys can shoot like him. The problem is that sometimes, as I tell everyone, Buddy's favorite player is Kobe. And sometimes he thinks he is Kobe. And he tries to go to his ball handling. It's just, it doesn't work out well for him. You know, I mean, they've had games where you're like, okay, Buddy, just, you know, I think a couple a week or so ago, Luke Walton said, when it comes to Buddy, catch and shoot when you're open, great. If you can't catch and shoot, drive straight to the basket. If that's not there, give the ball up. And it's tough when when you got to tell your starting two guard you can only dribble straight ahead or or, shoot, or catch and shoot. You know, you know, and that's and it hurts them late in games because he's a great shooter, but they don't want to make decisions. So you don't want to give him the ball to make a decision because there's a chance that he's probably going to he, he could force a shot or the ball can end up in the stands when he's trying to dribble it. Sounds like he's going to stay a king to me. I think he yeah, just I, I talked, he talked every would, team out of him. I would say he, he sounds like a, a wizard you know, to I mean, me. <laughs> I could see a lot of teams where he would help. It was just funny, you know, when he was on last summer liking all the stuff about him being in Philly. And then mm-hmm. they add Dave Yeager, who he couldn't stand as coach. 
So mm-hmm. it's like, uh, I guess that meant, you know, you may not want to go to Philly. But I mean, he would fit on a team like that just because the responsibility would be buddy catch and shoot. And I think on a good team where he has good players around him, he'd be fine with that. But, you know, when you have a bad team, players are going to try to do more than what they probably should do because, well, you're bad and everyone's trying to do something to make you not be as bad. But sometimes that actually hurts you. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah. It's time to move on to our Saturday Slam and Jam game show. Sorry to make everyone sad. But... <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. It's time for Fred versus the Beat. This is the game show where we have eight questions. And you will choose a number that corresponds to a particular question. If you get your question right, that's worth two points. If you miss it, the other person will have a chance to steal. That will be worth one point. Whoever has the most points at the end of this will win the game. Jason, we'll let you start. Pick a number between one and eight. Five. In 2004, an expansion draft was held to construct the 30th NBA team, the Charlotte Bobcats. The most notable player chosen in that draft was Sacramento Kings forward Gerald Wallace. Name two other players selected in the expansion draft. The only guy I knew for sure was Gerald Wallace. I'm stumped. I have no idea. Fred, chance to steal? Oh, man. Was was Brevin Knight drafted in that? And I cannot think of anyone else on those Bobcats team. Some notable players taken in the expansion draft. Fred, Marcus Pfizer, Jason Capono, Zaza Pachulia, who was later traded, Sasha Pavlovich, who was later traded, Primos Bresic, is that, is that ring a bell for you? And then a lots of no-name guys. Uh, but yes, I would have I would have maybe given you a, a credit if you would have gotten at least one of them. But you didn't. That is definitely one of the hardest. If, questions I was going to say if this uh, is setting the tone, like. <laughs> I- okay, Fred, pick a number between one and eight. Two. Number two, what was the city of origin for the Sacramento Kings? Kansas City. That is incorrect. Jason. 
Rochester? Rochester is correct. Boom, you're on the board. That's one point for Jason. And you have control of the board. Let's go with eight. In game four of the 2002 Western Conference Finals, Robert Ory hit a buzzer-beating three to beat, the ki- to beat the Kings and tie the series at 2-2. This is a two-part answer. Who tapped the ball out to Robert Ory? And then there were two shots taken that were both missed. Give me one of the guys that missed a shot. Lotte tapped it out to Robert Ory. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kobe missed one of those shots. That is correct. Shaq both missed the other one. Jason. Yes, exactly. Uh, okay, Fred, pick a number between one and eight. Uh, three. In 1998, the Kings traded for 25-year-old budding star Chris Weber from the Washington Wizards. Although GM Wes Unseld said that Weber's off-the-court problems played hardly any factor in the trade, he frequently peppered remarks with words like maturity, leadership, intangibles, and chemistry when discussing the benefits of the trade. Who are the two other players that the Wizards traded for? So you're giving me the Wizards trivia question. And I still, I still yes. don't know it. <laughs> Who was the Weber trade? That was 1998. I don't remember. Jason's got it. Jason knows. Mitch Richmond and Otis Thorpe. Mm. Bingo. Richmond. That's right. Absolutely correct. The uh, the Wizards would go on to win a franchise low eighteen games the season after they traded Chris Webber. Jason, you're up. Let's go with four. Two players rank in the top five in total career steals and blocks for the Kings. One of them is Sam Lacey, which I would not make you guess. But who is the other King? I'm not sure. I'm gonna say Vlade. That is incorrect, Fred. <clears throat> chance to steal. No. No, I, I'm denying my chance to steal. I oh, turn no. it to you. What a DeMarcus? It is DeMarcus oh. Cousins. That's right. Okay, I knew I because I, I I was like steals and blocks, and I think the two guys, you know, the guys who were the, st- the big men who would get a lot of steals would have been one of those two. Mm-hmm. Yep, it was Boogie. All right, Fred. By the, by the way, just to let you know, as as an homage to the Kings, I'm going to lose by 49. Um, yeah, <laughs> seven. Oh, this is, this is by far my favorite one. In 2014, the Kings allowed Grantland to come in and make a mini documentary of their draft process, which culminated in the Kings selecting Nick Stauskas and the whole draft room yelling Nick rocks into Pete D'Alessandro's phone. So we're going to say one, two, three, and we're all going to shout Nick rocks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You ready? ready? Okay, one, two, three. Nick Ross! Who is the other player that they would have taken if it wasn't Stauskas? Clay Thompson? Clay Thompson is incorrect. Chance to steal for Jason. Alfred Payton is absolutely correct. Alfred Payton. But it was Stauskas, 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 Stauskas. That was one of the best moments. Stauskas. All right, Jason, two more questions left. One or six? We'll go with one. Since 2006, the Kings have had 11 different coaches. We're going to go back and forth between you two until one of you misses on a coach. I've had most of those guys. This will be fun. So we'll start with you, Jason. Just name one of the 11 coaches, and then we'll go to Fred, and we'll go back and forth. Luke Walton. Okay. Uh, Tyrone Corbin. George, George Carl. 
Buddy Heald's guy, Dave Yeager. Dave Yeager, that is correct. Michael Malone, my buddy. Malone, that is correct. Rick Rick Adelman? Paul Westfall. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, hang time, Reggie Theus. Yes, <laughs> Reggie Theus. Hang time. All time yes. show. Eric Musselman. There's Eric no Musselman. way I'm going to win this. I'm, there's no way I'm going to be able to name every Kings coach, and there's no way he's not going to remember every Kings coach. <laughs> there's two left, there's two Fred. Left. There's two left. Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't think of anybody else. I can't think of the last two. Mm. Jason, you want to tell him? Keith Smart, Kenny Nat. Yep, that's right. Keith Smart and Kenny Nat. Those are the eleven. Eleven coaches since 2006. Unbelievable. Uh, do you think that they'll have another one starting next season, Jason? I don't know. I mean, honestly, it's, I don't know. I mean, a month or two ago, I was pretty sure they wouldn't, and it still sounds like they're not. But then again, this is also the same team who gave Vlade Divac an extension and fired him like 16 months later. Yep. So, I mean, you know, I remember <laughs> after the bubble, I'm saying, they're not going to fire Vlade. I mean, they had a decent season, all things considered. They gave him an extension a year ago, let him fire the coach and bring in a new guy. Fired him anyway. So I, I've given up thinking I know anything. Just when you think you know, they change it on you. Okay, Fred, this is, this is a question just for your dignity. Right now you are down five that's to nothing. It? You are, Wow, that's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> it's but it's like 50 to nothing this is this is like when the king sunk that three at the end of the game to make it not f- losing by 50 <laughs> so don't lose by 50 here fred since 1981 the kings have had six different players make the all-star team in four of those seasons they have had two all-stars in the same season chris weber and Peja did it twice give me the other two kings combo all-stars since what year 81. Other two Kings combo all-stars since 81. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll give you this hint just because I want you to not lose by 50. <laughs> it's not in the eighties. Okay. It's not in the eighties. Can I, can I, can I phone a friend? Uh, I've got Same my friend Jason, Jason on the line. <laughs> I can take a stab at it. I'm thinking uh, Paige and Brad Miller. Oh, Brad Paige and Miller, Brad Miller is one. one. Yeah, and yep. uh, Weber and Vlade. Weber and Vlade. Mm. Ding, ding, ding. Fred has no dignity. Thank you so much <laughs> for joining in on Fred versus the Beat, where Fred lost six to zero. So sorry, Fred. Well, lucky for you, Fred, Alex will be back in this seat. And lucky for me, I'll be on the other side next week. We thank you so much for joining us, Jason. Thanks for uh, giving us all the king's knowledge possible and for just absolutely destroying Fred in this trivia contest. Uh, Thanks again, man. We really appreciate it. No problem. Anytime. Well, it is now time for the Wheel of Fandom. Each week, we let a digital wheel determine our fate, which team we will choose to be a fan of for one whole week. We'll watch the games. We'll read all the articles. Let's see who it's going to be. Wheel of Fandom. Turn, turn, turn. Who's it going to be? It is the 
No, it's the Timberwolves. Oh my goodness, the Timberwolves who are 4-0 and oh in their last four games. They are ruining their own tank here. Okay, Alex, I know you're listening. I wish you were here with me, but we are going to watch the Timberwolves for this next week. Thanks so much for joining us for this week's edition of Saturday Slam and Jam. Send Alex some get well notes. You can find him on Twitter at AlBabyCakes. Be sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And this week, our Apple Podcast review of the week comes from Dave Abbott Zero. Dave says, I've listened to Andrew and Alex on Down to Dunk for a while now and always enjoy their coverage of the Thunder, but these guys have taken the NBA podcasting to the next level with the Saturday Slam and Jam. Dare I say, it's one of the best things to happen to the NBA since NBA Jam. Birthday celebrations, trivia, and all the NBA news of the week in one podcast. It's a must for any NBA fan. Dave, thanks so much for leaving that review. If you want your review read on the podcast, just leave us five stars. Make sure you mention Slam and Jam, and you can have your review read on the podcast as well. Hope you guys have a great weekend, and we will talk to you guys again next week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.